Before I start, I've talked to you a little bit about this series that we're going to go into. We're not going to start it until June, but I want, to, I want you to, to be prepared for it and to come to it and to invite people to come. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says that we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. Um, and we're going to really get to some very basic teaching, uh, just teaching on the blood of Jesus and then allowing a uh, five or 10 minute testimony every single week to come. And I really believe that whatever you're facing, I believe, I'm, I'm praying that we're gonna hit it. That we're gonna hit it with the blood of Jesus and we're gonna hit it with a testimony and you're gonna come away with the belief and the strength and the direction and the vision of how to, how to come through. And you're not supposed to do this on your own. We do this together. Um, I come through the blood of the lamb, the, I have to have the blood of the lamb, but I also have to have the testimony and I need testimony from you. Um, that's not always my testimony. I'm not trying to get something. I'm not trying to go some, through something that I've already been through. I'm trying to go through something that I've not been through before. And you have testimony to help me get through that. And that's part of the body coming together and overcoming. So that's going to start in June. So I've got a little two week mini sermon today starting called defeating distractions. And I'm a highly, I, I think myself to be a highly organized administrative uh, nerd. Um, I, drive, I drive everyone nuts sometimes that I'm a little bit over. Uh, I'm still stuck. I find myself distracted easily. Um, it's so easy, and I'm going to relate directly to that. But as an organized person, I find myself sometimes wanting to do things that aren't the most important things in my life, and I find myself spending my time on things that aren't that important, but I kind of make them important. Does that make sense? I spend my time not on the things that I should be, but I find things that I think are awesome, and I spend my time there, and I miss the big picture. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Up. If you haven't seen it, it's awesome. It's rated G, very clean. But man, it just has a tremendous story. But there's a dog in this that has the, the there, there's a guy that developed a box that went around this dog's neck that would speak what he was thinking. And it was awesome. Because the dog would just be in conversation talking about great things and hey, I'm glad you're having a good day. Squirrel! And then come back to talking about what he was saying. And how many of us do that? Going down the road, going down marriage, and all of a sudden, squirrel. Doesn't matter what's going on over here. I'm focused on that. On a, on a funny or on a basic sense, how many of you have projects sitting at home that is collecting dust that you've never finished? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, go down to the basement, or don't. How many of you have books on your shelf that you've started and not finished? How many of you have books on your shelf that you've never started? You know, Scripture says that the end of, the thing, of a thing is better than the beginning. Does any of you feel the sense of accomplishment when you finish a book? I really do. There is something about that sense of accomplishment of finishing something. I hate to not finish, but it's so easy to quit. 
And you don't really call it quitting. You just have it sitting on the side for a while. But you might as well call it quitting. Well, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this darkness, dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. It's not even people that we're fighting. It's spirits that we're fighting. There are things underlying that's trying to take you down. And I want to tell you, I want to give you a funny little story that happened to me yesterday about how easy it is to get distracted. It happened to me, uh, yeah, Saturday. So it's graduation, and I am, every, my family goes nuts. When we go to Disney, I got us up early. I've got it mapped out. I've got a spreadsheet of which rides we're going to ride and how quickly we're going to do them, and we get them done before lunch. Everybody else is fumbling around in two-hour lines, not us. We're done, and we're back to the pool. Done. Now, my kids are traumatized. My wife had a meltdown going to the Lion King. She goes, we missed it. And the problem was she decided to interject into the plan. Oh, man. Let me tell you, the world stopped turning. We missed her plan. She thought the world was coming to an end, and I said, honey, it's going to play again in an hour. It's okay. No, our life is over. It's done. We're done. Oh, wait a minute. We can go in 30 minutes. Yeah, we'll restart. But, so I've got this plan. Elizabeth knows, just get out of his way. He's going to go early to go save seats. It's just what he does, and he's going to freak out. Everybody, kids, I'm sure when I leave, you're like, kids, it's okay. This is what he does. Okay. I know. I've got cameras sitting at home. I can see what they're saying. So I had called TTU police to find out when are the doors opening. She said, well, the email says, Kathy Ligon says it's not, they're not going to let in until 845. Well, the tech police said 8. So I thought, okay, am I going to buck the system? What am I going to do? I'll show up about 830. I show up at 830 and they open the doors right as I walk up. And it is like Black Friday going after Tickle Me Elmo. I am not kidding. It was not like this at the tech one. It's not like this at anything else I'd been to. But I got almost trampled by a woman down, going down an aisle to get a place. I'm like, go ahead. But not really. I was really wanting to trample her, but I thought, no, I probably shouldn't do that. I get down there on the third row of where I want to be. This woman is in front of me on the second row. And I said, which row do you have? She says, I have this one. I said, okay, I'll take the one behind her. And I didn't have anything to save it. I'm saving 17 seats. Okay, calm down. So I put, a, I put an umbrella on one side and I go and stand on the other side. Well, I mean, not a minute later, this woman picks up my umbrella and moves it and takes my seats. I'm like, what the heck? What is about to happen right here? And I go over and confront her. I said, hey, you had this row. She said, no, I was here first. I said, I just asked you, you had this row. Now you're taking my row? Yeah, I'm taking it. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, you just watch me. And I'm like, okay, we're going to redneck it right here in front of everybody. And those of you that know me know how I can redneck with the best of them. And I'm like, okay, I'm a D. 
I'm a A, type A. You push me, I push back. I, that's just the game. I can't wait, really. All right, we got a game right here. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Let's get ready to rumble. So, and I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And I look over and I see a friend of mine. And all of a sudden, reality, it's just like, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I have got a choice to make right here. I can make either one. I have every bit of control to make the choice to either freak out and get my seats and be a headline on the newspaper tomorrow. <laughs> Pastor of local church beats down woman for seats for Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think it's not worth it. Just walk away. Doesn't matter whether she's right or wrong. Doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. So many times when you stand up to be right, you lose. So I walked away. This friend of mine came over and said, I'm so sorry. I couldn't believe what just happened. And I'm like, man, we live in the country. This is redneck city. I should have expected this, but man, I was ready to go redneck right there with her. But it wasn't her. It was Satan trying to tear me down in a situation I did not see coming. And I had the right to do it. Not the godly right, but the worldly right. I had every right to stand up for myself here. But it is that easy to lose everything that you've got over something stupid. Now, what happened was I moved back a couple rows into another section and I wound up with better seats. They wound up being better seats. The people, my friend of mine, wound up sitting next on the row beside us wanting to move to our row just because of the view that we had. But I could have lost it all. And let me tell you, when you hit my button just right, I forget totally I'm a pastor. Or a Christian. It's not even a thought. You press my button, I'm going to press yours. Without thinking. But I want you to know that a gift of the Holy Spirit is self-control. And I believe the Lord positioned this good friend of mine next to me just to save me. I'm going to give you one little wake-up call, and then you, you're on your own. You can go ahead and blow this thing all up if you want. But I'm going to help you. I'm with you. And this guy, I just looked at him, and I just all of a sudden thought, okay, I'm not going to do it. And I didn't. And I had to stare at her for two hours. <laughs> there are so many things trying to knock us off course. And we're going to see this morning in Nehemiah chapter, uh, chapter 6 that Satan uses two big ways to get us. One way is by fear. Satan will use fear. He will scare you into thinking that you've got to go in a direction that you don't have to. And you know, do you remember what I've said about fear over the last few weeks is that fear is paying interest on a home that you'll never live in. So many things that we get afraid of never happens. Never happens. Never comes close to happening, but we base our decisions on that fear that we came up with, and we wind up changing directions. Satan will use fear from other people, from situations to get you off course. 
You know that 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He will even make it look like that it is my right to fight for those seats. Enticing. It also says that he is roaming around like a lion waiting to devour someone. And I believe that there was a lion down there on that third row waiting to get me. And by the grace of God, it took an act, it took a miracle to stop me from doing what I'm capable of doing. I'm sorry, that's just the kind of person that I am. But the other tactic that Satan uses is flattery. He'll make you feel good to distract us. And we've got to be on guard. We've got to be on guard. But it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that we are not unaware of his schemes. And what that means is that God through his Holy Spirit and through his word and through his people offer us what's true and what's false. We don't have to wander around and walk into a situation completely blinded. He says, I am with you. I'm with you. And you know how he was with me? He was with me through that friend. That friend brought me back to reality. I didn't have a burning bush. I had a friend that I looked at and I could process for just a minute, stop talking and think. So flattery and fear. And I want to show you a great story um, about Nehemiah when he was building the wall uh, around Jerusalem for protection, for a, a, a wall that God had called them to build. But people started coming to try to distract, distract him. Now, let me give you a little bit of reference here or context. There's this dude named, named Sanballat and also his cohorts, his uh, sinister buddies, they had been trying to stop the building of the wall. But now they've decided to concentrate their attacks on Nehemiah himself by changing their tactics to using subtle persuasion. And you know, whenever you're trying to change something big in your life, make a big lifestyle change, these distractions always come. You try to turn your marriage around. You try to turn your finances around. You try to turn your relationships with your kids around. You try to get plugged into church. You try to start serving your boss better. And all of a sudden, the boss says something that makes you just fly off and say, I'm not going down that road anymore. He's the devil. I'm not going to support him. And all of a sudden, you're off track. Same thing with your marriage. You start pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. And your spouse just, at, just snaps back and you're like, I knew this wasn't worth it. The heck with it. And you quit. Every time that, that I have tried to make a lifestyle change, one of them being with my weight, all kinds of distraction comes. All of a sudden, people start sending me free ice cream. <laughs> they don't know what I'm battling. But, and people, it's not that they don't love me. They love me. They know what I love. So here comes the things that I love. Distractions. Look at Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. When the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I'd rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I'd not set the doors into the gates, verse 2, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message, come let's meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. 
So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but in the first part of the scripture, he identifies these guys as enemies. He already knows something's wrong. And they've invited him to a conference at a place called Ono. Now, yeah. Wouldn't you kind of think, I don't know if they understood the word Ono like we do as Americans, but the town called Ono sounds fishy. You're asking me to go to Ono. Oh, no. No. But here comes these guys, and it sounds like they're making a political concession speech. They want to meet with Nehemiah to kind of cut their losses, so it seems. But this, this plain of Ono is located near the Gaza Strip, this, and it's like a, a resort area. But Nehemiah senses danger in that he said, I think they're scheming to hurt me. I think they're scheming against me to harm me. So Nehemiah said, oh no, to oh no. <laughs> Some commentators suggest that these guys, Sanballat and his boys were trying to pull him away from Jerusalem where he had armed support so that they could get him off by his own and take him over. But Nehemiah sensed this and look what he said to him. He says, I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should, I stop, why should I stop working and go with you? Now, whenever you're in the middle of a project that you know is important and that you need to complete, when a distraction comes, you need to ask the question, why is this more important than that? You may be even asking me to do something good, but I need to be able to ask the question, which is more important? What do I need to do? And that's what, oh, that's what Nehemiah said. Why should I go with you? And you know, this is a great answer, but it's rather blunt. But I can tell you, when you give someone a blunt answer, usually they respond. When you give a gray answer, it just opens the door for them to keep piling on. But he gave a clear answer. But I don't know if you caught this, but they asked four times. How many of you get weak to being asked over and over and over? It's happened since day one. How many of you with your kids, do they ask it over and over and over and then finally you give in? Well, all you've done is taught them to keep asking because you'll finally give in. You have programmed them to do that. My kid asked me 50 times. Well, it's because they know that on the 50th you'll do it. You've programmed them to hang in there with it until they get it. But if your no means no, they'll finally stop. It will stop. It's, as Elizabeth was teaching the, the uh, parents this morning, be consistent. Scripture says, let your no be no and your yes be yes. should only need to be said one time. No, no means no. I understand you want to do this, but no. No, maybe you didn't hear me. No. Sometimes my no will be no and don't ask me again. Okay, I got that. No. But there are times with my children, they'll keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. I'm like, okay, go, do that. We give in. And that's what's happening here. Four times. 
because we sometimes give in to repeated pressure. We might decline the first time, but with our defenses weakened, we start to give in. But Nehemiah persists in his refusal, and he keeps giving the same answer. I'm doing a great work. Why is your thing more important? God has committed me to this project, and if I, if I leave, it may be threatened. But sometimes these distractions can even be good things. Now, let me just give you one distraction that I know everyone knows this one, and this isn't necessarily the point of my message, but, out, but social media. The second you hear a ding on your phone, you get distracted. I know you do. I've watched you. We sit in staff meetings, and I lose my people all the time, and they lose me. We, we probably need to get to a point where we don't have cell phones, but Jesus will probably have to come back before that will ever happen. But uh, Church, I can tell you that I can be in the hospital praying for you, and if my phone makes a noise, it distracts me. My mind goes to what I'm expecting to receive and what's important to me, and I lose focus of what is important. That's not important. That can wait. It will be there when I get done. But my focus is right here on this person or with my child or with my wife or with my quiet time with God. How many of you's phone goes bazonkers when you're praying and reading your Bible? And we so easily are like, oh, yeah, what is it? Oh, yeah, okay, back. No, I need a break. Oh, no. And what happens? Your email goes off, you read it, it leads you to another email. That email leads you to Facebook, and you're gone. Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, whatever. And five minutes becomes an hour. An hour becomes a day. Go and look at the percentage of where your battery time is going on your phone, and it'll show you where your time's going. It'll show you, what you how you burned your battery. It's kind of revelationary where my time is going. So I want to encourage you, if you need to get a hold of me, my phone, I hate to even, I don't know that I should say this, I'm going to say it. Our phone number is in the book. And we've got an emergency number here at church you can call, but don't instant message me on Facebook. I hate Facebook. I don't like Facebook. We have it to be able to, to, be able to connect with our church body, but 99% of it is a complete waste of time. And the 1% of it is kind of a waste of time. Your phones are robbing you of what you're supposed to be doing. That's just one thing. One thing. So look at how Nehemiah responds in, uh, let's see, where am I? I want to give you an example of a, of a violinist, a concert violinist, renowned violinist that was asked, how did you pull this off? How did you get so good? And she started talking about her practice routine. And she said, used to, I would get up uh, in the morning, eat breakfast, and then go and clean my room and clean the house and dust. And, you know, next thing you know, I would then go into practicing my violin, but realized my violin is not getting the time that it needs. So she said, I just reversed the process. I practiced my violin until the violin was done, and then I cleaned. Now, is cleaning the house a bad thing? No. And I believe this woman was probably a clean freak. It's not like if you're a slob and you're like, oh my gosh, I'll take up the violin if I don't have to clean the house. 
That's not what I'm saying. But how many of you know you can be obsessive with stuff that will rob your time? Man, that is me. I am an obsessive type person that I just either go all in or not at all. And things that shouldn't be important take all my time. But you can see, and what this woman used, she used an expression of planned neglect. I am going to plan to neglect this part of my life to make sure that I take care of what is important. And then I will come back to that. John Maxwell, who is a great Christian leadership teacher, uses a word called Pareto. And he talks about taking the 20%, top 20% of what's the most important things in your life, whether it's people, if it's people, then you talk, take the top 20% of the people in your life. It's, if it's tasks, then you take the top 20% of the tasks in your life that is most important to you accomplishing what it is that you're supposed to accomplish and spend 80% of your time on that 20%. And to spend 20% of your time on the 80% of stupid stuff. We're going to do stupid stuff. We just are. Watch TV, get on the internet, do email, social media, whatever. But are you spending 80% of your time on the junk? Do you see it's priorities and boundaries that need to be set? So I want you to see what happens with, uh, with Nehemiah. Then the fifth time, one, two, three, four, fifth, the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message, but in his hand an unsealed letter in which was written, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true that if you and the Jews are plotting revolt, then therefore you're building the wall. And therefore, you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king. And, even, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. This is an arm-twisting tactic to try to get Nehemiah to do what Sanballat and his boys are telling him to do. And fall into their trap. But Nehemiah sees it. For what it really is, a bunch of lies. But I want you to catch in verse 5, it talked about an unsealed letter. And what that means is it was open to everyone. Everyone can see it. Now, have you ever had someone slander you on Facebook? It hurts. You think the whole world has seen it. You think everyone's talking about you. Elizabeth and I have had this happen. I know some of you here in this church have had this happen. And let me tell you, fear comes on you and you want to go hide. You want to go hide. You can't respond because then it's on print for everyone to read. But it's that fear tactic to try to push you under. Someone talking about you, this open letter. And do you, have you ever noticed that when someone starts spreading rumors, they always cite someone credible? This person knows this, and they said it too. What did he say? And Geshem says it's true. Have you also ever noticed that rumors have to be spread real quickly because someone will figure out it's true? I mean, it's false. Have you ever noticed that? Lies will spread Lies will spread quickly. 
Someone has said that gossip is news. You have to hurry and tell somebody before someone else finds out it's not true. So look what Nehemiah does. I want I want you to catch this, and we're going to close with this. He does three things, and I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you before I show it to you in Scripture. He calls it out for what it is. He prays, and he gets back to work. If you want great instruction, call it for what it is, pray, and get back to doing what you're supposed to be doing. So look at this. Nehemiah said to him, nothing like what you say or you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. Man, I love that. Have you ever, I, I had a child go up to another child just in the last few weeks and this child had done something that they shouldn't have done but they responded I didn't do it and my child responded that's a lie and let me tell you that ended the conversation it wasn't mom this person did this to me and you know news report blah, 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 blah. whatever be quiet what's going on that's a lie and the child was like oh it is the conversation stopped. Nehemiah said, that's a lie. How many of you know that whenever you stand up to false, it will stop. When you step, step up and speak truth, it stops. Now, I once had someone close to me come up to me, and I was holding a Diet Mountain Dew and said, you keep drinking those Diet Mountain Dews, you're not going to see your child graduate. I'm like, oh, no, you didn't just say that. And it's funny that this memory would come back today because my child graduated yesterday. And I responded, I rebuke that statement. That statement's from the pit of hell. I will see my children graduate. I will have long days upon this land because I honor my father and mother. Can I just start right there and don't say something like that over me again? And you know what happened? Staff scattered. <laughs> they took off. Look, where y'all going? This is finally getting good. Finally, it's something I'm, I'm going to enjoy. What would you just say about me? you talking about my kids? Oh, no, 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 you're not either. Now, most of the time, if you say something to me, even critically, I'm not going to snap back at you. But you speak something almost like a prophetic word over me and my future over my kids that does not line up with God's word. I'm sorry, that's a lie. And you know what? It can come from spirit-filled great people. Paul, I'm one, not Paul, Peter out of one statement said, Jesus said, who do you think I am? I'm, you're the son of the living God, God of the most high. You're, you're the man. Next thing you know, Paul makes some dumb statement in the same set of scriptures, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I'm sure Paul was thinking, man, I'm the man. I just said the right thing. Let me keep talking. Oh, I should have shut up. He just called me Satan. I'm Peter. Well, he's Jesus. Well, yeah, that doesn't line up. Maybe I should shut up. Jesus just called him out right there. No, that, you were not going to go on with that conversation right there. Nehemiah said, no, what you're saying is lies. But look what he says next. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. You know what I call this? I call this a popcorn prayer. It doesn't take getting down on your knees and crying for 45 minutes to be able to pray effectively. 
Now, those are good prayers. There are times for that. But sometimes you just need to say, God, help me with this woman before I go redneck on her right here in front of everybody. <laughs> because I want to. My flesh wants to. I come walking down from, the, from my office down here to, to church and I just pray some popcorn prayers. God, pour out your spirit upon this place. Let people have breakthrough. Let marriages, let marriages be formed back together. Let people get healed. Lord, pay for that building out there that we're building. Do what you do, God. And then I got to step in and preach. Sometimes that's all I can do is say, Lord God, rescue me right here. I need you. And have to dive into what I'm doing. And he prayed, God, strengthen me. God strengthened me. Their tactics were to try to get his people to buy into this fact that Nehemiah was going on the wrong direction and for those people to become discouraged and to stop working. Nehemiah said, Lord, don't let that happen. Strengthen me to work all the, all the harder. We're in the last, so many times we're in the last lap of our race and we get a bump in the road and we quit. We get scared and we put it on the garage shelf and leave it. God says, I've called you to something great. You may have just been here for the first week. This is your first week, or maybe you've been coming for a while. God's got a great plan for you. What is it? What has God called you to? One thing I can tell you is your marriage. You do not need a word from God to tell you you are called to your marriage. Let married people raise your hand. Say amen, please. Okay, that's what you do when I kind of ask you to say amen, you say amen. And what that means is, yes, I agree. If you don't agree, then we got other problems. God created marriage. God's called you to that spouse. You don't need a word from God. You have it. You are called to that marriage. Spend some time focusing on that marriage. You are called to your children. You're called to your work. But God's got a plan for you in his kingdom too. And we need to reprioritize these things. What gets your time? Because Nehemiah had a good work. These people approached him with what seemed like the right way, but it wasn't. You need to know the truth. You need to be around people that speak truth to you. My wife speaks truth to me. Truth hurts sometimes, but she speaks truth. I've got staff members that will speak truth. I've got a dad who will speak truth to me and a mom. I've got board members that will speak truth to me. Now, I can choose to listen or not to listen, but I hope I choose to listen. The word of God speaks truth to me. The spirit of God speaks truth to me. Don't get to the finish line and stop. If you remember Pete, don't come to the end of that finish line and lay down in the grass. Get up and cross the finish line. It's awesome to finish. What's God called you to do? You guys stand up with me and let's pray about it just for a moment. Next time, we're gonna talk about some action steps of how to walk this thing through with appropriate boundaries. But I just wanna pray over you. Will you just pray with me and just agree for just a moment? Father, in Jesus' name, we all agree that we can be distracted. I just right now, Holy Spirit, ask you to identify those distractions. Identify those distractions. And Lord, let us be truthful to ourselves and let us have a moment like Nehemiah that could say, I know this is wrong. 
I identify this as someone trying to stop me from what I'm trying to do. And it's not a person. It's a spirit trying to stop you. And let me tell you, you cannot go against that spirit on your own. It takes the spirit of God. Would you just ask the Lord right now to show you what's important? God, what is important? What, what kingdom impact am I supposed to be making? Where do I start? And help me to stay focused. Father, your word says that if we'll ask for wisdom, you'll give it. Well, Lord, we ask for it right now. Your word says if we'll ask for the Holy Spirit, you'll give it. We ask for that now. Lord, we just ask for courage, just like Nehemiah did, for strength to do the right thing. You have given us all authority. You've given us the power over sin. There is not anything that stands in front of us that is too strong for us. We can do this. Help us, Lord. In just a moment, we're going to open up the altars for prayer. And if you need prayer for some distractions, <coughs> we want to pray with you. Don't sit there and not receive. It's time to receive. So as we sing, let's just ask the Lord to show us.